Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast. I'm Conrad Olsen, founder and editor-in-chief of Scandinavian Mind. Today we are revisiting a talk from the Transformation Conference, a fashion tech event we hosted together with Uni Communication in Helsinki on May 31st, 2022. In the midst of the most transformative period that fashion has ever seen, we wanted to explore how Finland and Sweden could deepen their impact on the industry together. This panel was titled How Values Are Changing the Fashion Ecosystem. A new generation of consumers is demanding more from their brands. Taking a stand and showcasing your values are more important than ever. We look at how Finnish and Swedish values meet the task. Speakers were Ekaterina Gianelli, partner at InVenture, Ervin Latimer, designer and founder of Latimer, and Fredrik Ekström, Above the Clouds. The Transformation Conference is a two-part event, and the second edition takes place in Stockholm on August 25, 2022, during Nordic Fabric Fair. If you want to get an invite to that event, please make sure you subscribe to our newsletter. Visit scandinavianmind.com newsletter. I'd like to thank Helsinki Partners for making this possible. The panel we are about to hear was held just after a keynote that Fredrik Ekström held about a new sustainable consumer. Let's start with listening to an outtake from Fredrik's keynote. I think we all know that the sustainable consumer exists. That uh, more and more consumers are turning into ethical choices. And the consumer are more and more, they find out the truth about the brands. They know if you're bullshitting, they know if you make things up, because it's so easy to find the information of how you produce your products and how you make it happen. We can see that the consumer is moving from skeptical spectators and sustainability zombies into different shades of green where you have the eco-swingers that swing back and forth. Sometimes they do good, sometimes they're not. And you have the anxious activists that are really concerned about the planet, really want to see results now because they feel that the planet is going in a totally wrong direction. And in the forefront, you have the dedicated pioneers that are driven by values. They know that this is the real deal, that they're also hopeful about and that we can fix this because they are more knowledgeable about it. They know that if we just do this and that and that, it will start moving in the right direction. But you can also see that there's, there's a small part. It's about 7%. The big part is the anxious and the eco-swingers, which is result-driven and storytelling-driven. So what I usually advise brands is that this is some kind of the the gate in with the consumers to start them moving in with storytelling pro- uh, projects and get them interested in, in, in sustainability. And then you can move them further down the line to be more, more dedicated in what you do. That was Fredrik Ekström, founder of Above the Clouds. Here now, the complete panel with Ekaterina Gianelli, Erwin Latimer and Fredrik Ekström. Enjoy. Fredrik talked about building a dream brand. Erwin, you just launched your own brand, perhaps your dream brand. 
Uh, I thought we could start there. Uh, give us a little bit of a highlights from your experience of launching this brand and the values you want to charge that brand with. For sure. We have like an hour, right? So that I can explain everything. <laughs> Give us the highlights. Uh, sure. So I started my brand, Latimia. Well, we started last summer, but we launched, launched the brand last January at Pituama in Italy. So uh, Latimia works for the performance of masculinity. So we don't really uh, care about the gender of the user. We design clothing for anyone who wants to perform masculinities through clothing. And uh, I have to say, first of all, thank you for the presentation. There was a lot of information there that I got that I feel like I wish I had when we started the brand and when I was pitching this to some investors, et cetera, because there was a lot of information where I'm like, I was right. I think <laughs> I was heading to the right direction. So uh, yeah, I'd like to say that we're a value-driven brand. And what I, what I was really happy about the presentation that we just saw uh, was that social sustainability was paired with this sort of ecological sustainability. And that's really, that to me, those are kind of the, like the two, co uh, two sides of the same coin. And that has been a big kind of argument for me when I've been uh, moving forward with the brand and really kind of uh, justifying the existence of the brand. Because I think the, important question that any designer should ask at this point is like, do we, you know, do we need, <laughs> we all have enough clothes, we don't really need that many more clothes, but then why do, how do we justify making more things into this world and how do we justify um, starting new brands? I feel like my, are my glasses crooked? Do I look a bit like <laughs> cookie? <laughs> you look awesome, as thank usual. You. Thank you, thank you. Every presentation should go like this that people check how I look. Um, it's video, so it's yeah. important, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. fashion. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Well, continue on that note because I'm curious. I mean, what we saw in Fredrik's research was there's a huge chunk of the consumer that are craving for information and craving for what what Fredrik calls bragging rights. Mm -hmm. And I, I w I'm curious about when you created this brand, you need to engage, uh, uh, I'm sure, investors and people to help you and so forth. Was there pushback on any of these, you know, this vision that you had for the brand of, of sort of social responsibility, gender neutrality, these themes? Were, were people pushing back saying, oh, you need to be more quote-unquote normal or whatever? Uh, oh, oh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. And it was so interesting to see that the number one thing was uh, that you mentioned in the list that was last. The number one thing was taking care of your employees. Because I was, one thing that I can remember, I was told point blank to my face, well, via email, but point blank to my face, that I'm being too naive. I was p explaining that we work four days a week, and it's really, really important for me to kind of going through the traditional abusive uh, fashion intern system, et cetera, et cetera, working the insane hours, et cetera. I explained that it's really, really important to me that we're not a company like that, that we're, we're, we, we don't want to burn out <laughs> when we're in our 30s. And I was told that I'm being too naive, and that's not something that you know, every good uh, entrepreneur takes care of their employees, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, uh, and maybe that came from a lack of understanding of our, our industry, that could be that, but there, it's, never, uh, it's never easy to explain when you want to do things differently and when, when you kind of want to work against the pre-existing norms of how the industry works and how the industry keeps making money, because money is the kind of complicated thing here, and capitalism goes very poorly hand in hand with like great values. So that, that has been an interesting challenge to tackle. 
I know you're very early on in, in, in this uh, trajectory with, with Latimer, but just mm. uh, briefly, what has the reaction been from the consumer? Do you feel like you're, you're on the right path? Does it resonate, the, the, the communication? Well, from what I've seen, definitely, yes. It, it, I did <laughs> it's a peculiar thing. I never, exp I do, especially when we launched, I got a lot of DMs, people just saying that, oh, I really like, I've, I've just been waiting for a brand that like, I don't really, uh, that I don't want to buy from the men's department, or I don't want to buy from the women's department, or I don't want to use the words menswear, womenswear, et cetera. I, uh, uh, I was really looking for a brand where kind of the ecological sustainability aspects are like a given, et cetera. Mm. So, and it was, I didn't expect for people to like reach out and say that, thank you, this is important to me. So that was, that was very, very pleasant. And we are, our first collection is, uh, being delivered like this summer, so that's when hopefully we'll see also the results, how people resonate. Wonderful, and we have some imagery from, from the collection. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, uh, flowing around on, on the screens. Let's um, take this from another angle. Uh, Ekaterina, uh, you're an investor. Um, you have worked with both uh, the fashion industry, but also beauty industry, food industry, so sort of uh, different industries. Um, do you see this as well, that, that the sort of need for uh, sustainability is, is part of uh, what the consumer wants, but also, you know, are you looking for it as an investor when you look at new companies? Absolutely, and I think I should start by, well, we are supposed to be discussing Nordic values today, right? So our values as investors have been changing as well, at least here in the Nordics. Uh, so a stereotypical investor that you might have in your head from uh, many years ago is no longer there, so we are not optimizing profit at all costs anymore, mm. and we are trying to do something meaningful as well. So um, uh, we know that uh, we are not headed the right direction with the planet and uh, crisis, uh, climate crisis approaching, so of course we want to be contributing to a more sustainable development as well. Um, so we focus on finding the founders or the teams that are creating something meaningful and uh, creating solutions to the world's biggest problems. So for us, it's absolutely number one thing to look for in companies we speak with. You mentioned to me beforehand that, that companies contributing to uh, sustainable consumption and climate action actually outperforms the rest of your portfolio, which I yeah. thought was very interesting. Can you talk a little bit about of that? Of course. So we actually recently did a study or looked into our latest uh, fund. So we're talking about approximately 30 different portfolio companies. And um, what we looked at is how our or the value of our investment has been changing. So basically the amount of money we invested in the company and then the amount this investment is worse today. And then uh, the multiple was looking pretty much twice as good in the companies that are working towards sustainability or towards more cautious um, consumption, which is pretty impressive. And of course, the, I guess you would ask why. And I think uh, there are the three main, uh, three main reasons for that. So first of all, we feel that it's much easier for the companies to attract talent. Uh, all of us want to contribute to something positive, all of us to want to work on something meaningful, so for the companies we work with, it's much easier to attract uh, good talent. And then maybe 10 years ago, we didn't see too many A players going into sustainability and um, climate, uh, for example, while today the situation has changed a lot and we see a lot of great talent addressing this industry, addressing these spaces. 
second point, I believe uh, it's pretty much the same in terms of customers. Uh, so people are willing to pay premium and people are willing to buy from companies uh, working on something sustainable. And then the third is, of course, funding overall. So we see that a lot of investors are also focusing on funding the, the companies uh, that are working towards a sustainable development. So it's uh, much easier to keep the company funded. And there are a lot of funds who are focused on sustainability, as well as a lot of funds who have been doing something different, changing the sustainability today. So I think as investors, we are not really interested in funding another social network or gaming company or um, you name it, advertising tech. I think uh, we all know that we have to support something else, and that's why we're in this industry. And, and to talk about it, how you assess the, the, the companies, how, what is the actual process in, in, in assessing them and, and, and evaluating yeah. uh, their, their... So I think the problem uh, companies are solving is, of course, number one thing we'll look at. And if it's not interesting or not meaningful, we wouldn't even uh, continue the discussion with the company. But then it comes down to the market opportunity. So we need to believe that the problem you are solving is uh, big enough, that there is market for, for your solution, either today or at least in the near future. Uh, so we need to believe that the timing is uh, or can be right. Then, of course, uh, the team and the team composition. So uh, we spend a lot of time to understand the founders, to understand what drives them, uh, to make sure they aim high enough. Um, persuasion skills are very high on our list, so we need to, or you as an entrepreneur, need to convince a lot of people uh, to believe in you, both your teammates, your customers, your investors, so you better be good at it. Um, and then, of course, we look into what the team has achieved during the past quarter or two. That gives us an indication of what they can achieve in the coming period, so yeah. basically trying to assess the productivity or, or how well they can execute. So yeah, market and problem first of all, team uh, second, and then um, only after that we looked into the actual product or service and how easy it is to scale it. But I would say that teams and markets or problems are the most important for us. Interesting. And people, people continues to be important in, in this topic. Always. Um, Frederick, I'm going to get back to you and, and uh, thank you for, for uh, the, the keynote you just gave. In doing this research uh, that, you, that you've done, was there anything that uh, surprised you during this process of, of gathering this, this data? Or? Uh, yeah, it would be wrong to say that I know it all before. Uh, so, but I think that actually the, uh, the dream brand question about uh, taking care of your employees, that that came as number one, mm. it, um, it surprises me. Uh, and I mean, I guess that in this industry, um, quite a lot of us have worked with brands that don't take care of your employees. And, and so I feel that it's, it's kind of a wake-up call for fashion, lifestyle, outdoor brands to actually work in all, all the layers like that. And maybe the HR department will be joining the, the, um, the sustainability department. Mm. Uh, would be probably be good. Uh. That's a super interesting uh, t t take on it. When you advise brands in, in, in your professional life, uh, what are some of the most important advices that you do give based on this, this research? Um, I would say that um, quite a lot of brands th still think that it is a marketing issue or still think that it is a product issue. Uh, that they, if they fix this product thing, uh, it will be good. Or if they fix this 
brand positioning communication thing, then we will be perceived as sustainable and they can start working with it. But uh, that's, uh, it's a fundamental issue that needs to be implemented in all layers of the company, otherwise it won't work. So that's also why the employees are so important. You need the top management board to actually live and breathe this and then implement it with the people by taking care of them and step by step changing. And also understanding that it's a, it's a roadmap well beyond the brand's life cycle. So if I work in the marketing department, I can't do the sustainability campaigns and think that when I'm off to the next job, I, I will have fixed this problem mm. because it's gonna, moving in, in so many years after the brand's life cycle to actually do something. So the implementing the roadmap, taking care of everyone and doing it in all sections of the company. It's what it's important. It's super interesting, and we talked about this Evan, uh, prior to, to this panel. I mean, that you have the opportunity as a new brand to have this kind of holistic approach, and uh, I don't know, uh, simplify it, but to do things right from from the get go, from the beginning, because you don't have the the heritage of of, of a big organization. Is this something that you think about that that uh, having this uh, holistic approach that it has to go through the whole company and your own vision? Definitely, I think it. Uh, I think my generation of designers also just represent a kind of a different culture of, mm. of, of, of starting a business, I guess. I think there are a lot of brands who are like now saying that, oh, look, we're doing all of these amazing changes. We're hiring these whatever diversity heads, et cetera, et cetera, after they've you know, had some scandals or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, we've had that approach from the get-go. And I think for me, why it has to be like holistic and why, why it's really, really... Um, important to focus on these from the get-go is that all of these issues that we're talking about like this kind of like you say like we can't we can't buy ourselves out of this problem right like we can't just keep buying the right types of products to solve all of these issues that we're talking about and i think a common conception is that that we, if, we, if we just give enough information, that we just drown the consumer in all of this mm. information about sustainability, social or ecological, et cetera, et cetera, that, then it's their responsibility to make the good choice. But I would argue that it's the designers and the entrepreneurs' responsibility to only provide good choices. Mm. And that kind of has been like a driving factor for me that it's not... Like it really isn't about like <laughs> promoting anything really, it's just like a way of like looking at doing a business and kind of go going through the system, seeing how it operates and then trying to figure out how to do things better and how to actually maybe generate positive change in the industry, even as like a tiny brand from the Nordics. Well, we saw that in the research, Frederick, also, right? That the consumer cannot be drowned with information. That's not what mm. triggers them to, to act differently. Yeah. Yeah. De definitely, we can see that more and more and when we do interviews uh, also with um, with people is that it's you're getting a fatigue of all the buzzwords it's and, and say, same with me i'm like i'm so tired of, of hearing it and the consumers is all what they say is like who should i trust if, if when everyone says that they're doing right but the scientists say that it's going in the wrong direction Who's there to trust? So they need, they need to see that brands are moving away from only using the buzzwords and turning into actual actions. 
and guiding them and showing them what to do. It's kind of like, I usually say that it's, if you go back to, uh, to high school and you were standing in the schoolyard with your friends, if you have one friend that's always bragging about what good they are doing, and there's another friend that says like, hey, let's go play football. You, you go with that friend, if, if you like football, of course. Uh, you go with that friend that's kind of like, shall we do this? Rather than bragging about what good they are doing. And it's kind of the same with brands. They out there communicating all these kind of buzzwords that they know that it statistically triggers their growth channel, their funnel channel, all the marketing metrics and KPIs that they need to, uh, they need to fulfill. But it doesn't do anything with the consumer other than building up the anxiety that they are doing wrong. Ekaterina, mm. uh, I want to move over to you. Uh, I mean, you sometimes come in, as I understood, pretty early in, in companies' uh, sort of life cycle. Uh, and I'm assuming they also come to you for advice and on how to, to, to sort of build their brand and build their company, build their company culture. Do you go in and advise brands at that stage also? Is that part of what you're doing? And, and how do you advise them in terms of this sort of, I'm curious about this sort of holistic perspective of doing many things right? Yeah, so um, yes, we are very active with the companies that we invest in or that we back and uh, we spend a lot of time advising them on anything strategic from recruitment and finding the best people to work with to customers, partnerships, expanding to new markets, etc. So we are very involved in, in everything our companies do. But then maybe coming back to what Frederick was saying and uh, overall innovation, of course, as an early stage investor, I believe that there will be a lot of innovation coming from, well, entrepreneurs. I don't necessarily believe that brands will be able to innovate enough themselves. I think a lot of the power is with the next generation of entrepreneurs. And then, of course, today, most of the innovation we see in fashion industry is still very early. If you think about sustainable materials, for example, I don't believe that uh, mushroom-grown leather will replace normal leather or cotton anytime soon. I think it's very early. It will take a lot of time, but luckily we are headed to the right direction. Same with the consumer. I don't think our expectation or our habits will change very quickly, but at least uh, so we are still consuming a lot more than what we have been consuming previously. But then at least a good change in the industry is that we are changing towards different business models that already start working. So I'm talking about... Um, reuse, I'm talking about sharing economy, consumer subscriptions, etc. So there are a lot of businesses or a lot of entrepreneurs that already figure out that new business models could work and uh, consumers are already ready to adapt these models and sometimes pay premium for the premium or more sustainable service, which is of course a great development. So I don't think the consumption will change per se, but I think um, entrepreneurs are in control or driving uh, the adoption of this uh, new business models and of course our role as investors is to to support this next generation mm. of entrepreneurs like you guys so and what what do you what do you look for in the entrepreneurs the actual person what what traits what what personality traits does that person have to have <laughs> <laughs> well i think for us first of all it's very important that the the, the founder is really purpose driven and uh trying to solve important problems. Then, uh, of course, you have to be uh, very self-reflective, know what your weaknesses are, be ready to, to get advice or get uh, other people on board to help you where you are not great at. Uh, you have to be able to recruit a solid team to complement you. And I mean, I think persuasion skills that I mentioned is a very important uh, trait to have. 
Um, of course, ideally, we want people to have some experience with the industry that uh, they are dressing. So ideally, if you focus on fashion, you would know something about the industry before jumping in and, and changing the industry. Uh, but otherwise, I would say it's a lot about leadership, persuasion skills, um, aiming very high, being self, uh, self-driven. Wonderful. I'm going to have to wrap up. We're we, uh, moving on with the next panel. Uh, Erwin, I'm going to s- s- stop with you. As, if, as we said, you're early on in your entrepreneurial uh, journey. Uh, you have investors here. You have brand advisors. Is there anything you need? Uh, can you... <laughs> Can you now, leave the room the for a while if I just have like a chat? <laughs> no, but seriously, <laughs> in your journey right now, what, what are you kind of the things you're struggling with uh, in terms of reaching out to the, the consumer? Uh, I don't, uh, it's a constant struggle. Yeah, it's a constant struggle. Well, yeah, it's, I'm, not, I'm not so concerned with, like, let's, let's put it this way. I'm not, I'm not so concerned with, like, the message of what we're doing. I'm quite, quite confident with that and how we're approaching design and how we're approaching kind of fashion, but it's more like how to... I mean, at the end of the day, it is still like a business that I'm trying to have. So just how, how, to, how to make that work, how to translate those values that I have into like a viable business and how to specifically how to show that when you're trying to push for a culture that consumes less or consumes more responsibly, how do you do that while still managing like a, a, a profitable business, I guess? And that is possible. There's proof of that, that that's possible. So uh, I think... Yeah, that might be maybe the number number one thing right now. Just how to like the strong values that I have and like the kind of kind of drive that I have. How to transform that into like a viable business. Well, we'll certainly uh, enjoy uh, continue following your journey. Uh, Erwin Latimer, Ekaterina Janelle, and Fredrik Ekström. Thank you so much. Round of applause. Thank you.